This is the largest conference uh, anywhere in these islands which is devoted to, uh, to clean energy. Uh, the fact that it takes place uh, in Aberdeen demonstrates the city, as well as being a, a world oil and gas capital, it has a central role to play in the low-carbon technologies of, of the future. Uh, in recent uh, months, both in uh, the Gulf and in Norway, the, one of the themes that have been emerging from a variety of conferences and talks and discussions uh, is that the oil and gas producers uh, actually have a, a very particular responsibility in the development uh, uh, of low-carbon energy. Uh, so the areas, the countries, the, the nations which are fortunate enough to be endowed with large quantities of hydrocarbons actually have a special responsibility uh, in pioneering uh, low-carbon sources uh, of energy. In terms of carbon capture, of course, uh, it uh, almost naturally follows that the best opportunities for, for capturing carbon will come from oil and gas producing uh, provinces. Uh, but secondly, in terms of renewables, and particularly offshore renewables, but not only offshore renewables, uh, then one of the areas that uh, we have to understand, we are now understanding and now developing, is that there is an enormous wealth of human capital and expertise and skill and resource which has been built up uh, in terms of the development uh, of oil and gas uh, that has to be transferred in part to the development, certainly, of marine renewables. Uh, it's the case, and we should reflect on it, that we probably know more about the waters around Scotland than any country does about its marine waters. And there is a lot of them. I mean, we have a, a coastline for a nation of uh, just over five million people, which is actually as great as the coastline of China, uh, a nation of 1,300 million people. Uh, but we know more about these waters than probably any other country. Why do we do that? Well, for hundreds of years, thousands of years of a, a developed fishing industry and more than half a century of developing oil and gas in these waters. We know a huge amount about that marine environment. And that skill, that expertise, that deployment of human and resource capital must be transferred. It is an enormous advantage, a comparative advantage in transferring onto the marine environment for renewables. Uh, now, last year's uh, conference, I had to, to send my uh, apologies. It wasn't because I was frightened of Jeremy's introduction. It was actually the day I was being re-elected First Minister of Scotland. I thought that was a reasonable excuse <laughs> uh, under all the, uh, all the circumstances. But this is a, a vital, valuable, hugely important conference and, as has been noted, a hugely growing conference. But in the message I sent to the conference last year, uh, I made two key commitments. One, I pledged that by 2020, 100% of Scotland's electricity demand, the uh, measured by the percentage of reduction compared to demand would be generated from renewable sources. I also gave a, a guarantee that renewable energy would be at the forefront of the Scottish Government's programme. Now, the last 12 months have demonstrated that these commitments are, are being honoured. Now, this morning I want to make two further key announcements about how we build on the progress in the generation of energy from renewable sources. I'll also set out how we are planning to encourage uh, key sectors of carbon capture and storage and smart grids. Now, these are challenging uh, economic circumstances, but the renewable industry in Scotland has been moving from strength to strength. It now directly employs 
over 11,000 people. That's slightly more than the hugely significant and much enjoyed Scots whisky industry. <laughs> so far for reflecting on that. Now, of course, uh, as yet, uh, uh, renewables uh, don't uh, equal uh, whisky in terms of output or export. Earnings, certainly, but in terms of number employed, we now have just over directly employed renewables, 11,000 people, slightly more than the Scots whisky industry. Now, last month, it was announced that we had uh, surpassed the interim target of uh, 2011, uh, which was to produce 31% of electricity demand equivalent from renewable sources uh, in that year. Uh, last year, around 35% of our electricity needs were supplied from renewable sources. Major global wind turbine manufacturers such as Samsung, Gamesa, Mitsubishi uh, have all announced the intent to develop their next generation offshore turbines in Scotland. Uh, the French uh, offshore engineering, logistics uh, and service company Technique has established its European offshore renewable base in this very city. And those key international companies and others have been joined by a host of Scottish companies, Scottish and Southern, Scottish Power, Clyde Blowers, The Wood Group, Bifab, Global Energy uh, and Steel Engineering. These are all companies probably all represented here. I'm glad I mentioned you in that case. <laughs> uh, I apologise for any omissions. But nonetheless, a representative of both the international investment and the key domestic companies who are seizing the opportunities presented by this renewables revolution. In wave and tidal energy, Scotland can claim to be leading the world. The £10 million sterling Saltire Prize, the world's largest marine energy innovation prize, has received over 150 expressions of interest from more than 30 countries. There are more different types of wave and tidal devices testing in the waters around Scotland than in the rest of the world put together. And just last week, we had the substantial news from Scottish Power Renewables, the Andritz Hydro Hammerfest, the tidal power turbine has successfully undergone its initial phase of testing at the EMEX Centre in ED and Orkney and will now move on uh, to deployment uh, off the west coast uh, of Scotland. Now, no doubt Keith Anderson from uh, Scottish Power will say more about that development, but I'm sure we all understand the significance uh, of commercial large-scale tidal power coming one step nearer to fruition. Now, we want to ensure that we can build on these successes. Uh, and that's why I'm delighted to announce today that the £18 million sterling Marine Renewable Commercialisation Fund is open to receive applications as from today. There will be a variety of people giving out the application forms at the back, ladies and gentlemen, I expect you. <laughs> now, that fund is an absolute crucial part of our strategy. It will be administered and delivered by the Carbon Trust. Uh, their proven expertise in the marine renewables field will be of enormous value. Their input will contribute to the successful deployment of the first commercial wave and tidal arrays in Scottish waters. Now, the sense of momentum behind the renewables industry in Scotland is clear. We are starting to fill that potential towards that aim of being the green energy powerhouse of the continent of Europe. Last autumn, we established the £70 million National Renewable Infrastructure Fund to ensure that communities across the country are equipped uh, to act as the manufacturing hubs for the renewable industry. 
I am pleased to also announce today that Westway Industrial Site and Dock in Renfrewshire will be one of the first beneficiaries of that fund, receiving half a million pounds to meet the costs of making that dock capable of servicing the renewable sector. Now, investment in that dock is expected to attract a number of new companies to the banks of the River Clyde. As an area at the heart of the marine engineering revolution of the 19th century gears up to play a leading role in the marine engineering revolution of the 21st century. And as more awards from the Infrastructure Fund are made later this year, more communities around our coastline will be equipped to benefit from Scotland's reindustrialisation through seizing this renewable opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, we're also working to ensure that, that Scotland benefits from a substantial capacity for carbon capture and storage. Previous studies, including one recently completed by Scottish Enterprise, have suggested that offshore carbon storage could bring major benefits for the oil and gas sector, enabling as much as three billion extra barrels of oil to be extracted from the North Sea using the techniques of enhanced oil recovery. Enhanced oil recovery potentially helps make carbon capture and storage, of course, more commercially viable, aiding the development of a low-carbon technology while maximising the use of our North Sea oil and gas reserves. For that reason, I'm pleased to announce today that strategic financial support from Scottish Enterprise and Scottish Government has been matched by commercial funding to establish the United Kingdom's first centre for CO2-enhanced oil recovery. Its establishment builds on other work done by Scottish Enterprise, for example, the report on the potential of Peterhead Harbour to act as a future hub port for the shipment of CO2. The new centre will be based within the Scottish Carbon Capture Storage Centre, a collaboration between Heriot Watt University, Edinburgh University, the British Geographical Survey, which have established that worldwide reputation and is already the largest research group on carbon capture and storage anywhere in these islands. The new centre will help to establish the seas of Scotland, which have about 50% of Europe's geological storage capacity, as a leading destination across the UK and Europe uh, for the storing of CO2. And by doing so, it will help establish Scotland as a major centre of expertise in what could well be one of the key low-carbon technologies of the future. I want to say a word about uh, energy grid skills uh, and smart grids, because it's one of a range of other areas where the Scottish Government is heavily involved in promoting the Scottish low-carbon sector. We have been keen to promote energy grid infrastructure, whether it's the North Connect link between Norway and Scotland, which I was speaking about last week in Norway, or the planned Isles connection between Northern Ireland, Ireland and Scotland. And this is Scottish Apprenticeship Week. Uh, and therefore, it's crucial, it's important to highlight the importance of skills to this sector. We're investing heavily in modern apprenticeships and flexible training places to support the implementation of the Energy Skills Plan. We've got world-class universities who've got a major role to play. I welcome the establishment of Aberdeen University's new Institute of Energy, for example, which will help to ensure that Aberdeen is an international centre of excellence for the training in the energy industry as well as being a leading research centre. And we are working to put Scotland at the forefront of smart grid technology. Smart grids allow us to match electricity demand to supply, to do more, much more of existing infrastructure, allow us to make the best possible use of intermittent renewable power. More than 150 companies 
have been identified as having a role to play in this vital sector. So I'm pleased today to launch the Smart Grid Sector Strategy. This is an industry strategy developed by Scottish and Southern, Scottish Power, GE Energy, Strathclyde University, Cisco and Scottish Enterprise. It sets out strategic priorities for Scotland to become an exemplar in the adaption of smart grids and a leading international provider of smart grid technology and know-how, including sustainable transport and energy storage. We have set a target to create 12,000 new jobs by 2020 by building on Scotland's existing strengths, our company skills research base with the existing and new research test facilities. So in that series of announcements, ladies and gentlemen, the Scottish Government is indicating we are doing a substantial amount to promote the success of the clean energy sector. We are also keen to ensure that the wider regulatory environment supports these moves, especially in the area of low-carbon generation. Now, uh, my questioning and doubts about the move to electricity market reform have been uh, well ventilated in other forums. I mean, the, the key difficulty is transferring a, a well-established, well-entrenched, well-understood and predictable and successful system of uh, support for the renewables industry into a a system of support which is more diverse across the, the low-carbon sector. And nonetheless, we have broadly welcomed the publication of the Energy Bill yesterday in the sense of making progress towards uh, the key information that the industry needs to have uh, in order to address future investments. And of course, the basic purpose of the Bill, moving away from high-carbon generation, is one that we fully support. We have and remain there are sufficient, significant concerns about the energy mix the UK Government is pursuing, uh, whether it's compatible to have a, a system of support for, for nuclear, uh, which uh, some people believe that in the, the Atlantic Ocean it wouldn't be sufficient to provide a, a support mechanism for nuclear power, and whether that's compatible with uh, other systems of low-carbon generation. Another concern is whether the interests and powers of the Scottish Parliament are being properly recognised. The stakes are very high indeed. There are risks that electricity market reform could, could put in jeopardy the positive environment that both the UK and the Scottish Government have worked so hard to achieve. Now, the Scottish Government have successfully, over recent years, exercise control over the renewable obligation certificates to promote and accelerate renewable energy. We have recently completed our consultation on possible changes to that obligation. That uh, consultation raised a number of issues, including the, the questioning of electricity market reform, and we are considering these very carefully. I think it is crucial that electricity market reform mechanism must grant the same discretion for Scotland in the future as we have now over the renewable obligations mechanism. In particular, we must ensure that secondary legislation attached to the Bill is delivered in a way which respects the, the wishes of the Scottish Parliament and Scottish Government. But let me pledge today that we work closely with the UK Government eh, to deliver that objective. And in all of that work, I can assure you the Scottish Government will do everything we possibly can to promote investor certainty in a time of changing support mechanisms. Ladies and gentlemen, the low-carbon economy is unusual, perhaps unprecedented. It is an example of a change which has both a strong 
moral imperative, but also presents a massive economic opportunity. Playing uh, that leading role, which uh, I've outlined in uh, this uh, low-carbon revolution, has the potential to create 60,000 new jobs in Scotland by 2020. It's one of the best possible ways where Scottish innovation can make a huge contribution, not to the future just of our economy and these islands, uh, but also to the future of the planet. Uh, for that uh, reason, as I promised last year and as I'm reaffirming today, this Government will place the low-carbon revolution at the very centre of its policy making. The progress, and it is substantial progress, of the last 12 months already demonstrates that Scotland plays a huge role in the development of low-carbon technologies. I hope that the discussions taking place today will enable even greater progress over the next year. I'm absolutely delighted uh, that this conference is being held in, in Aberdeen once again. I wish you all the best for a very, very successful conference indeed. And those of you who didn't pay 10 years ago, this is the opportunity to stump up as we develop this industry for the future. Thank you very much.